previously on the Gilded Age, Bertha is going full steam ahead trying to make the Met happen. Also, her son, Larry, he's out here in Newport helping this single widow, Susan Blaine, get a new house off the ground. And they're doing a lot more than that. So uh, let's follow up on that and all the other stuff with the Van Rines and all of our other friends this week on the Lords of Grantham podcast. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team in. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. I didn't keep you real from the jump. And we are back again. Season 2, Episode 3 of the Gilded Age. What's going on, Corey? Uh, just, you know, uh, on a work trip right now, man. So I am, I'm gassed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Woke up at, before seven this morning, caught a flight to Chicago and talking to you, Dave, out of the hotel bed. Cause I am just zonked here. That's the way to do it. Yeah. You know, you know, we've gotta- been, we've, we, we've reco- recorded remotely for going on three years now and We've never really gone out of out of our two respective states to record, so this is a this is a historic moment for the podcast. Well, we did record on a highway on the way to Maryland one time. We, <clears throat> I mean, we've done episodes in different states, but the two of us being in different far removed states, uh, New York and Connecticut, it, yeah, that's new. That is new. <laughs> that is new. But, but do uh, we have any news about our programs? Man, I haven't had time to check. <laughs> I've been, okay. I've been living, I've been busy. Uh, but all I see is just advertising everywhere for the crowd coming back. You know, advertising that it's going to be split into two parts this this upcoming season. Uh, reviews have started to or come in. Some noise about it. They're really trying to hype it up, and we will not be talking about it until we are done with the Gilded Age. That's true. I mean, we might. Well, I think we'll obviously take some notes on how it's being received critically, but we will watch it. Yeah. After the Gilded Age. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of being in Chicago right now, they do have the Downton Abbey exhibit. And I was looking at maybe visiting that, and then I realized I'd have to travel 90 minutes uh, just by the local transit. And uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, Dave. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, okay. It's a okay. bit of a stretch for me to get there. We've, we've done it before. We did it years ago. I doubt that there's much new there. but You never know. You never know. Yeah, you you never know, and it might... This may be your last chance. That's true. Until it comes around again. A, a three-hour commute to go see uh, Robert Crawley's riding jacket. Exactly. That's exactly what I would. I'm debating whether to see or, whether to see or not. Um, well, you say you're gassed. You've been out a long day. Let's not waste our energy talking about Downton Abbey stuff we covered five years ago on the podcast. Let's talk about the Gilded Age season two. Episode three. Let's go head to head, man. Head to head. Where do we want to begin talking about this episode? Well, I think let's start with the low hanging fruit. But we did get a, a comment from a listener uh, mm-hmm. clarifying how to pronounce one of the characters' name on the uh, on the show. So we kept saying Adelaide, Adelaide, uh, and that's the the woman's servant to uh, Bertha. Uh, mm-hmm. But we have received a cor- correction from Suzanne, who said it is uh, Adelheid. And I was listening yeah, closely and, to this episode. And, and Tr- Our boy Trotta talks about it. <laughs> he doesn't talk about her name, but he, he, ta- he mentions her name. Mm-hmm. But he, no, he does, say, he does say Adelheid. He refers to her by name, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. In their little alleyway meeting. That's true. There's really not too much um, forward movement with our boy uh, Jack, Jack Trotta. Aside from we see him tinkering on this clock still, which is an interesting through line that Julian is so interested in. I can't make heads or tails of this. Why, why is this man continuing to just tomfool around with this clock? <laughs> I don't know. It's something's hap- going to happen with this clock, right? <laughs> this 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 boy is too important mm-hmm. for this to you know he's our he's our male daisy right now we're supposed to to know it's going to be something probably insignificant where he creates he fixes this clock gets it working and then he gives it as a gift to adelaide adelheid 
and it upsets Bridget or something something mm-hmm. nonsensical like that. It, it can't yeah. be he's the father of the alarm clock or the new alarm clock or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah, Jack Trotta. <laughs> uh, That's me, Jack Trotta. Oh, boy, he, he has a moment in the sun this week when we find out about Turner. He, he feels like he's in hog heaven. Like, oh, we can. We can become oh, yeah. whatever we want. Well, why don't we talk about that? So one of our listeners brought it up in our Lord's Grantham Lounge that Julian is really back to recycling plot lines here uh, mm-hmm. because Bertha is inviting people over to the house to recruit them for boxes uh, at the Met. Uh, and so and Kate, Kate in our Lord's Grantham Lounge, just to give her yeah. credit where it's due. Yes. Uh, and so one of the guests is going to be Miss Winterton, who we know was Miss Turner, a former servant uh, of the Russells. And so she alerts alerts uh, Church that someone with a familiar face will be coming through here. Try to not act shocked or surprised. Uh, and soon enough, sure enough, he is surprised. And Adelheid sees her, and she's the one who's most stunned of all people. Mm-hmm. And literally has to, uh, she, not has to, but she tells that to Trotta, and Trotta's like, wait a second, you're saying people like us can marry up in the world? He doesn't say in those words, but he's like, huh? I never thought well, he, about that, He Pat. says it in that accent. <laughs> yeah. So you mean to tell me that we could be whatever we want to be in this world? In this world? He's like a Disney character. <laughs> was he like Fible Goes West or something? He's a little mouse? Yeah, he was something like that. <laughs> oh, my his, God. his descendants are definitely an Oliver and company. We know that. That's got to be a a real thing yeah but anyways uh kate pointed out though this is a retread of the plot line from season one of downton abbey where with glenn uh rose leslie uh, who some may know from uh was game, game of thrones. thrones and married to kit harrington and everything well she's the one who wanted to become a, a writer and leave the house and she went on to do that and then they brought her back in season five as a rich folk and everyone was stunned to see that she had returned and it's literally <laughs> the same thing like wait a second you mean there's a way out that we don't have to do this job forever. Yeah, no, I I do feel like it's a bit of a overstatement to say it's a recycled plot line, mm-hmm. because we know for a fact that uh, Julian says in the off season that we haven't seen Gwen. She's been a writer, and and she's not a, a tippy toppy socialite. No. So while I do agree, Julian is is picking fruit from the same tree. It is not mm-hmm. the exact same thing sure this is a you know we we find out that old man winterton is indeed very old and Mm -hmm. from so so without getting into her actual plot points we meet this guy downstairs peter has he been there a whole time yeah, dude, I've been, I've been writing her letters this whole time, dude. Yeah, because they give each other like a knowing like look at each other upstairs. And I'm just thinking, I don't know who the hell this guy is. <laughs> and yeah, he literally is inserted into the series as if we're supposed to be like, oh yeah, Peter had that relationship with her or he knew her. He has never appeared on the show before, folks. <laughs> he is a totally invented new character just to info yeah, dump on shirt. us. He, he has like the most boring background character outfit on. Mm-hmm. And, and that's his whole function, is just to let us know that, oh, yeah, I used to write Turner all the time, even after she left. And, you know, she wrote letters to this Mr. Winterton saying that she was a fan of his uh, curation of artwork uh, and wanted to talk to him about it and a little bit more. And, and the whole downstairs staff was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, and she definitely got a little bit more. So mm-hmm. a lot that's more. the strategy. That's how you move up in the world. Write letters, folks. Try it out. Yeah. <laughs> Pen and paper. Yep. <laughs> so do we want to keep talking about Turner while we're on the subject, or Winterton? Yeah, as the world turners. I feel like this is a uh, big piece of this puzzle, but you know, most most of the time we build up to our main events. Let's, let's talk mm-hmm. about this one right out the gate. Yeah. She comes to this party where Bertha is trying to convert the Academy members into... Matt members. Mm-hmm. And she declares that day one of the Met is going to be day one of the Academy. If you're a wrestling fan, it's almost as if you're doing a WWE NXT versus uh, AEW <laughs> Dynamite. 
on the same night. Well, I mean, if you want, you want to go more more overt wrestling. This is the Monday Night War. This is WCW Nitro coming up against WWF Raw in 1996 or whatever year it was. And that's the thing is, if you're a fan, you literally have to choose sides. And so, understandably, everyone's aghast. Like, I can't, I can't choose in this war. What, what am I supposed to do here? Yeah, but, and we see that. Our well, let, let's keep on the Turner or the Winterton mm-hmm. of it all. Yeah. She comes over and talks to Bertha. And I, I believe Miss Fish is there. Uh, yeah, Mary and M- Mamie Fish. Marnie, yeah. Mamie, 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 Mamie. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why I said it that way. She's there, and uh, Bertha's like, "Hey, well, why don't you why don't you join up with the the Met, mm-hmm. you and your husband?" And she says, "Well, you know, I knew someone in my old life that was trying so hard to get into the the academy." And didn't, and wound up going into the Met. And I don't really want to seem like a like a hanger on. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to seem like this, this is. I'm just going to the second best because I couldn't get in. And clearly, what she's talking about is Bertha herself. And yeah, Bertha's none too happy about being put on that on blast. And when I love how she turns the, the screw there, and the Bertha saying like, you know, I want to enjoy my box seat because yeah, other people can't have it, huh? You know, I want, you know, there's people mm-hmm. I heard who can't have it. I think I may be looking at one right now. Um, so then Fish walks away mm-hmm. and our girl Winterton, she decides to to turn the screw a little bit more. Yep. And she says, oh, what's George up to? Why is he not here? Mm-hmm. And we get down pretty quickly to the fact of the matter that she says, oh, you didn't tell George about you and me? Yeah, I mean him. <laughs> she well, the thing is, Turner's very wise to identify it to Bertha. I get you. You're trying to get me to get a box here, <laughs> okay? And if you're gonna try and blackmail me into that, it ain't gonna work because I can reverse blackmail it to you. I've seen the movies. Well, no, she hasn't seen the movies. I, I've read the books. I know what to do here. I can just tell you something you don't know about George that we may have spent a little bit of time together, just a little bit. <laughs> Bye. And like, what are you talking about? And she goes. You don't know your man like that, huh? Yeah. Well, step to me again. That's what she's saying. Cra- crazy, uh, classic uh, lunatic behavior here where obviously we know nothing happened between the two of them. And we all understand why George didn't tell Bertha because she would have freaked out re- regardless of when he told her or anything. Uh, uh-huh. But, yeah. Bertha is heated and she immediately confronts George. And yeah, George is like, I'm trying to break up this union. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty busy, and I need your help <laughs> with this, actually, Bertha. I'm pretty busy here. But she's, you know, confronting him, asking, you didn't tell me something. Why didn't you tell me something? And he, he he tells her exactly what happened, which is she came to me in the middle of the night. She was in my bed. I thought it was you. I swear to God, no, no hanky-panky went on. I got out of that bed immediately, got Never her got out of fired. It. Yeah. And but she's like, you didn't think to tell me? And he says, you're pretty busy at the time. You had a lot going on, and it wasn't worth the drama. And that just yeah, and and then Bertha's like, she was touching my hair, and she had been nude in your bed. <laughs> yeah, she was literally combing my hair, that nude woman. Uh, and yeah, he's in the doghouse, George, for for not coming clean immediately. Uh, so so it goes for him. And yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, the help immediately catches on that something's off between the two of them. How they're very being mm-hmm. very icy towards each other. Yeah, uh, the one thing that I do kind of like about the help in this show versus Downton mm-hmm. is that they are very petty. Not not necessarily pe- petty might not be the right word. They want the tea just as much as we want the tea. They're like, yeah. oh, I wonder what they're fighting about. Right, they're not as civilized as uh, the downstairs over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh. But, yeah, they're kind of just not talking at the moment. And even Gladys walks in for a second. And George says, hey, Gladys, Gladys you, you can get out of here. And Gladys asks if she can go out and do something. And Bertha's even quick to say, yeah, go ahead, which uh, surprises Gladys. Uh, yeah, yeah, to the to a play that's going on. It's Oscar Wilde. But, yeah. So, anyways, uh, George does get Bertha to help out later on for, for – uh, with Henderson, Some, our union man, who we'll talk yeah. about later. But they're very much uh, not on the best of terms right now. And, and it's kind of just, 
it feels like manufactured drama, honestly. <laughs> uh, Bertha, we've seen her and him be in lockstep so tightly before. Maybe you can say that she's very, very much feeling the pressure right now with the Met and stuff. But, like, come on. You know she's a woman who stands by her man, and he's a man who stands by her. And so, like, mm-hmm. come on. Nothing's going to happen Yeah, here. it's not that there's... Well, I think it's, it's like he's in the doghouse, but... He doesn't like being in the doghouse. I think this is where they're, we, you know, they always are in lockstep because they're so goal oriented. Yeah. And this just feels like something like they're so focused on work and their jobs and their mm-hmm. advancements and, and all this stuff that like the consistency of their banter and their getting along is so, you know, important for them that yeah. for him to like, she doesn't think that he cheated on her. There's no, there's no like, oh yeah, she's not like. Oh, you totally did this. She's just like, I am appalled that I didn't know. Which is understandable, too, because there was a nude woman in her husband's bed. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like that, I, I, I understand. I think they just need to, you know, ride out the storm. And George does not seem like the kind of guy who will ride out the storm. Right. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of that, before we, we dive too deep, mm-hmm. let's, talk, let's keep talking about the opera. This sure. is the first time that I think we've seen Ward McAllister give Bertha a look like, what are you trying to do right now? He's feeling the pressure, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. McAllister, Nathan Lane himself, uh, because he's playing the complicated game, as they call it, where he's mm-hmm. trying to both sides it, where he's in Bertha's corner. He tells her he's in her, her corner. But the thing is, Bertha wants to launch them at the same night as the Academy, and he's saying, I can't do asked her like that <laughs> like you're really putting me in a difficult position here uh, and Bertha's like well you're gonna have to pick and he goes well let me go across the street <laughs> well he, he's already across the street he's already planning to go across the street you know <laughs> but uh he does a little bit of frogger there where the cars yeah. and people are coming at him and, and he yeah, winds he, up in a Astor's called a meeting with Agnes Ada Marion, Aurora mm-hmm. Fane, and our girl Peggy's the stenographer. Yep. And she's saying, we need to put an end to Bertha Russell and this whole Matt. And what I'm saying to you, Agnes, is I want you to write a letter to all the people that you know that have a box at the academy. And you got to tell them that if they join the Met, they may be expelled from the academy. And she says, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Because if I do it, it's a threat. If you do it, it's a warning. And Agnes is just so... This this was an episode that kind of made me feel like Agnes doesn't have much power. Oh, what, because, why? What, what, what specifically? Because this is like... It, it's not a matter of... Uh, like just st- sticking, the, sticking it to, our, to Bertha, which we know that Agnes wants to do, but... We see the Astro just like do this, and Agnes is like, "I will do it now." Like mm. that's a lot of work. Well, and I, I think Ada is the one who's like, "Well, I'm going to leave here before we start." Or no, Aurora Fane's the one who's like, "I'm leaving before we start taking weapons out." Yeah, I think it's more just a show of respect though towards Aster because she is you know the queen of, of the, this old money mm-hmm. area. So I think it's just her to, you know falling in line with the leader because she knows it's just. An extension of them preserving their legacy. So she doesn't. Who, she doesn't who do you like. Think is old. Who's older, Aster or, or Agnes? Agnes, for sure. Yeah, I, I feel like as someone who's older, she shouldn't be put on like that. But she doesn't have as much wealth as Aster does, or influence necessarily. That's so, true. That's. But we we have yet to see Aster kind of flex on Agnes like that. So I guess this is that's why it kind of strikes yeah. me as odd. But I'm sure it must have happened. But, yeah, and she doesn't I, like know. the. the she doesn't like uh, the Russells anyways. So. Mm-hmm. So Peggy's off to write these letters and we see our dear friend downstairs who is like, I am not okay with Ms. Armstrong is like, wait, she's writing to the highest of society. It's like, mm-hmm. shut up Armstrong, go kick rocks. Like get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that's the only beat, which is just to, to hate on Peggy this week from Armstrong. Just like, Come on, I could write a letter. Can you, though? Do you no. think uh, <laughs> Deborah Monk, the actress who plays Armstrong, Julian's like, well, well, this year you will be racist? Well, I mean, she already was last year. In, in well, you know, I feel like Julian likes a babyface turn. 
And this year, it seems like she's just uh, doubled down on that. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Julian goes all the way with getting her sacked uh, if she doesn't change her attitude. I'm, I'm curious, though, what would be the thing that makes her have an about face if they do it? Because she's pretty far she's pretty far down the road in terms of being dirt <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. as a person. So. Her, her morality metric is pretty far down the, the red. <laughs> yeah, if you're playing a video game, she's, she's trending downwards where you get the bad ending. Um, well, we're talking about Armstrong. Do we want to pivot over to her arch nemesis, uh, Peggy? Peggy doesn't have too too much to do this week. No, but it is pretty important. It's setting up it's, a big week for it's next a, week. It's a setup for sure. Yeah, T. Thomas Fortune, our boy, T-T-F. is off. Yeah, he's off to cover. Uh, he's off to cover some stuff from uh, Booker T. Washington, who's uh, opening a dormitory uh, down in Tuskegee. Tusk- Tuskegee. 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 I really don't know how to say that word. Uh, and, yeah, they've been raising money, and so it would help people with uh, farm labor. And, and Peggy's like, is that the best kind of dormitory out there? And it's like, well, you know, you got to start them somewhere learning, you know? Mm-hmm. It's good for them. And and so she's interested. She wants to, you know, really help break this story. Like, she wants to report on it well. And T. Thomas Fortune is just saying – I don't think you know what you're up for down there in Tuskegee. Uh, it's uh, it's south, okay? It, it's a little bit different than mm-hmm. up here, okay? And then we see later, you know, Peggy basically convinced T. Thomas mm-hmm. that she deserves to go, and he's like, okay, cool, you're in. Welcome to the club. Yeah. And I got she goes you. home. You're welcome to come. She's got, she goes to get her clothes, and mo- her mom is like, so what, why are you packing your summer clothes? And she goes, oh, well, I'm going to Alabama to hang out with. <laughs> With Booker T. Washington, mm-hmm. and, and Mrs. Scott, this is like you have no clue. Which I thought this was an excellent scene, where yeah. she's you know she she's like you don't know what it's like in the South. And we see that at one point earlier in the episode, Fortune is like, you know, I haven't really thought about the South too much since I was a slave. Yeah, and we it's see heavy. that you know Peggy obviously deals with her share of racism in this in the throughout this series as we've just talked about yep. Armstrong. But she's not a freed slave, so. Yeah, at the same time though, like, she's not. She wasn't born yesterday, hey, Peggy. I think mm-hmm. she, the way her his her, the the mom her mom talks to her obviously it's from a place of concern. But I don't know. It feels a little patronizing to Peggy because it's like Peggy's a smart woman. She knows how bad. Like she doesn't know how uh, what it's like, but she knows about w- the badness that's down there. She, she's not, you know. I don't think she's. I think some of some of the stuff that her mother says to her clearly hits different. Yeah, it's like I, you don't I, even look at the white people. Don't even nod at them. I think and it's Peggy's less like given. It, it it just feels like Julian's underwriting Peggy there because like I think she's more intelligent than than that. <laughs> uh, or at is least he adding layers that maybe she she's a little bit entitled and and comfortable in her status. That I guess that that's fair. You could say that. Um. Which is, yeah, you know, she's going head he's, first he's, into something without even thinking. Because the other thing yeah. we haven't touched on is that she's traveling with a man, and she has a whole conversation about this with Marion, where Marion's saying, you're, she's not even asking about going south or to Tuscany, Alabama. She's like, you're traveling with a man. <laughs> do you that's a real man. He's a married man. <laughs> yeah, do you understand the implications of that? <laughs> so it's two things that Peggy has to deal with. Uh, hunky married man, and then Alabama. Sheesh. Mm-hmm. And I think this is circling back to what we were saying about her not knowing. I think this is kind of a level below or above, depending on what you think about it. This is kind of a response. In my, I took it as it was that whole moment where Marion didn't know about Peggy being mm-hmm. wealthy and tried to give her the shoes last season You're right. and got all embarrassed. And Peggy was, like, disgusted at the ignorance. And I think this is just Julian's way of saying, like, you know, Peggy, you're not perfect. Like, you don't have the... You have just as much of a skewed view of the world as someone like Mary and some stupid white person. Mm -hmm. Not that she's stupid, but she's ignorant. So I think that's an interest... I'll be interested to see where they take this next week. Mm -hmm. Me too. I mean, it looks like they're going south, though, based on the previews. Like, she'll be there. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I, I didn't watch the previews, though. Well... Yeah. I'll be okay, excited so. to see that. Where can we jump to from here? Because that story is pretty isolated. Let's let's do another isolated story. I mean, Watson. 
No, no, no. Let's do Larry. That's pretty quick. Oh, he's, yeah. He's still seeing that Blaine. She's grabbing his, his thing. Wait, what? I, I didn't miss that. She she reaches. She does the reach around? Not the reach around. She does the... She grabs him. Right? <laughs> right ahead. He's a... Uh, I did not Well, they go to the house and they that. show the house in construction and they're talking. And... And she she's talking about, you know, Larry's like, we got to cool down. Like, what about the help? And and our girl, Blaine, says, mm-hmm. you know, I want to have my cake and eat it too. And then she gets a handful of that Larry Russell. Oh, she grabs the cake right there? Mm-hmm. Okay, I need to go, go and then, take a second back on that. And he's he's like, I... This boy is obsessed. I think it's it's mm-hmm. clearly this is going to derail at some point in the season, but he he can't get enough of her. Yeah, and, and, that, saying, and that's the thing. He's he's getting, he's getting foolish because the whole idea of their relationship working was that they'll just have Newport. They'll get frisky out there and let their mm-hmm. servants watch. Uh, but when it comes to like New York and stuff. That, you know, don't be seen together and stuff. But he's getting ideas like, "Oh no, let's go to the opera together. That'd be great, bro." She can't and keep she, her hands she, off you. Yeah, and and she's like, "I saw the way your mom looked at me." She can't keep her hands like, off oh, me either. Boy, <laughs> oh boy, this is. Uh, a, I mean, good on Larry. Last week, great week. The boy, mm-hmm. the boy is in a new world. He's seeing rainbows in the sky he didn't know existed. Yep. But I think they're they're flying too close to the sun. Right, because the thing is, they go to this opera, and Blaine concocts the idea of like, "Well, you, I could be sick, and you can just leave with me, and we can, uh, we we'll just get out of here." And mm-hmm. so he 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 delivers that news, and who's a mod Beaton is there? She kind of rolls her eyes, like, "Uh huh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure she's yeah, really Beaton's sick." Like, yeah, we know that that they're they're gonna be having fun. Mm-hmm. And then I forget who exactly is like, "Oh, well, let's not talk about that. Like, it's a diversion. Like, let's not, let's get off the subject." Yeah. That's all we get for them this week. She, I mean, Julian is, there are a lot of attractive women in the show, but like this, I don't know. I, I'm unfamiliar with Laura Benanti as we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. She is a knockout and, and she yeah. would be punching above Drake Karn, Larry Russell. Right. Even uh, if she wanted a 20 something year old, you know, what, piece you're, of you're, meat. Wait, you're saying she's too good for Larry? Yeah, I'm saying she's too good for Larry. Dude, there are some women who will fight you <laughs> over that. That because, come on, man, Larry Henderson, Harrison, Richard Harrison, what? What's his name again? Harry Richardson. <laughs> He's a Harry. Yes, the opposite. People want that Harry Richardson. Okay, <laughs> they they've been thirsting for him from Pole Dark. I think he's he's right online with uh, Laura Benanti <laughs> as Blaine. I think they're a hot couple. Yeah, but what's uh, what's his girl his wife in Pole Dark's name? Uh, Morwenna. She is no Laura Benanti. I think she's a pretty. Uh, what's that's a whole different conversation. I I think. I guess I guess so. To me, he's I two for two. I guess it's also, it, yeah, he is two for two. But Laura, it's a different breed. This, okay. this older woman who's clearly got the got her ish together. Mm-hmm. Seems as though he's. I think he's gonna get in over his head pretty quickly. I think we got two more weeks. I think he's well over his before. head already, brother. Oh, absolutely. Right, but the thing is, I don't think this is gonna. This is gonna emotionally hurt him. I think this will literally damage Bertha further down oh, the gonna, road. But we'll yeah, gonna, we'll talk about that reputation. when we get there. Yeah, we'll see. Speaking of reputation, so we, let's go to Watson. Watson. Yeah, we started talking about it a little bit. Teased mm-hmm. it. He gets lunch with McNeil. Yeah. And he gives and, us his whole ba- backstory. He was a banker with mm-hmm. some success, and it went wrong. And his the, his wife's father wanted him gone before it got worse and ruined uh, his daughter. Mm-hmm. So and it ended so up ruining he, him. Yeah. He, he, he was like, well, his hunch was right. I, I did lose all my money. And so, yep, I was out of the picture. She, the wife hasn't kept in touch. She kept the daughter. Uh, I'm bankrupt, so you know I had a valet, so I know how to do that work. And McNeil's like, "That's nice. I don't want you to ever come around here again." <laughs> he says it with you. a little better of a bedside manner, though. He goes, "How about, how about I hook you up, Sam mm-hmm. Fran, a house, two servants, a pension, boom, 
You just can't come back and stalk your daughter. How does that sound, bro? It's an apartment, actually, not a house. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. In a bank, but, but a bank still, account would two be two staff. Which I mean, in San Francisco, that that would carry some value today. Uh, mm-hmm. The funny thing to me about this plot line is they made such a big deal last week of people can't find out about this guy being related to McNeil's wife or anything or any connection. He's already gone around asking George about this guy. And now they're be, they're seen eating at a restaurant together. The two of them In public. Yeah. What, what was the thought process behind that? <laughs> why, why would you do it there and not somewhere more discreet? Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, though, Watson's considering it because it is a generous offer, but it's very uh, cold hearted. Yeah, because he, he keeps going back to the idea that he won't be able to see his daughter again. And he says he already abandoned her once. He doesn't want to do it again. But all yeah. I keep thinking about is, what do you mean see your daughter? You stalked her from across the street. Yeah. McNeil that- is basically telling you he will give you a correspondence mm-hmm. of how everyone's doing, which is more than you were getting before. Well, no, he's not even promising a correspondence, though. He didn't he's, know saying, he's saying he, he'll write and, and give updates, but he can't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Watson can't respond. Yeah. And Watson says, yeah, I don't know what she thinks about it. And it's, and it's like, if you knew what she thought about it, Watson, you probably wouldn't appreciate it because she really didn't seem to want to see you either. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, it feels like much to do about nothing. Because, uh, like, come on, is Watson really going to leave? Yes, yeah, we know Julian too well. Yeah, and also is Watson really doing that? That is he that bad of a guy? Come on. Anyway, well, I mean, socially speaking, it would be terrible for uh, the McNeils to be outed as having a relative that was a valet. I guess then don't have lunch with them in public if it means that much. Yeah, yeah they're doing uh, it to themselves. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see what Watson decides. He's talking to Church about it too, and everything. He's like, I don't know what to do. But we'll yeah, follow he's pretty up on transparent that about it. He's like, yeah, I got an offer to go get a house that's paid for, apartment that's mm-hmm. paid for, staff. Yeah. New new surroundings. Maybe well, I should do it. Yeah. Well, speaking of reputations, let's go to Oscar. Yeah. He's uh, pretty happy with this. Uh, what's her name? Our, our Mod Beaton. Yes. Beaton. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they, yeah, they seem she, to have a bit in common. Uh, they go to the play uh, that that is it's an Oscar Wilde a wild play, Vera, uh, which uh-huh. apparently did open to negative reviews at the time. Uh, it was it did not go over well, but it's a, it's a bit of an odd choice <laughs> that they're going to feature Oscar Wilde because Oscar Wilde shows up in this episode, and it's going to be a play that no one liked, and it's just like strange that Julian. I mean, it, it's. I, Julian's probably laughing to himself, but at the same time, odd choice to be like, and uh, here's an Oscar Wilde play, and he sucked. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. He's patting it, himself on the back. He's like, well, I, I Julian Fellows, made Downton Abbey. <laughs> yeah. I don't suck. And he just dumps on <laughs> Oscar Wilde to his, the, the, to his face in, in the show. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. do better next time, brother. Yeah, so we see that uh, Oscar... Mm-hmm. Is there with 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 Maud, and mm-hmm. there's a moment where John Adams comes to talk to him about Maud, right? Because he escorted her there. He has a relationship with her where he's very friendly. Mm-hmm. Because he, you know, we see the shop. We do the rack focus when our, our boy Oscar's giggling with uh, Maud during the show. Mm-hmm. Camera kind of does a little move, and we see John Adams kind of rolling his eyes in the background, like, "Oh boy, yeah. he likes her." Mm-hmm. And then we see Oscar, or no, Oscar and, and Adams are talking, and the other Oscar, Oscar Wilde, yeah. is talking to Aurora Fane about, he's like, oh, look at those two. Isn't that so interesting, complicated? And Fane is like, what are you talking about? And Oscar Wilde's like, oh, you will never understand. Dude, this whole Oscar Wilde uh, appearance. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm curious to what you think, but I thought it was pretty trash. <laughs> like this was just dumb. <laughs> uh, but look, I 
Oscar Wilde, fantastic writer. I'm a, I like Oscar Wilde. He's, he's great, especially if you're into mm-hmm. the literature and everything. He's a very important figure. But the way he's portrayed here, the actor does not look like him. He, like, he has his, like, they comb his hair. He tries to give this, like, hmm, look to be like, I'm Oscar Wilde. You ain't, brother. You don't look like him. You ain't long <laughs> in the face like him. And, and then Jordan Waller, we're calling you out by name. Seriously. Like, he, he acts as if Oscar Wilde was this, like, sass kind of character. And it's like, I don't know about that, man. It's more Oscar Wilde has was very cle- clever with a turn of phrase. Here he plays him as if it's just like, you know, he wore it on his sleeve how openly like queer he mm-hmm. was. And like, according to the timeline here, Oscar Wilde hadn't even slept with a man at this point in, <laughs> in his history. It doesn't mean he wasn't gay yet or anything, but he wasn't this sassy guy about town like, oh, you don't get it yet. It's yeah, like, he, what? He wasn't like Ward McAllister. <laughs> yeah. I Strange, strange choice, and the the accent too. He doesn't even sound British exactly. Everything is just off about this insertion of Oscar Wilde. If only just to get the line of like, "Oh, I like other Oscars." Yes, mm-hmm. us Oscars have to stick together. N- noted. Uh, and then people just insulting Oscar to his face, including Gladys, who gets a, a shot off of you know. Uh, Saying she just was not uh, was it was enjoyable when someone killed themselves or whatever. Yeah. Nice. Not a great look. It's just I don't know what he was thinking with this. It was just it's just bizarre. Just because you can doesn't mean you should, Julian. <laughs> with Oscar Wilde being in there. Yeah. Next week is going to be Booker T. Washington. Ms. Oh, that's right. Maybe we'll bring back a. We'll bring back Clara Barton from the Red Cross. But it'll just be all real-world people interacting. Why not? When we get Henry, Hud- Henry Houdini or anyone, when are they showing up? I think that's a little Harry early Houdini. for Houdini. Oh, God, yeah, he'd be like nine years old. <laughs> just have like a disappearing child. And like, that's Harry Houdini. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so what okay. else do we have to talk to? We have to talk. There, there's well, some very big plots. There's Marian's not too much to going play. on with Marion this week. She's just kind of sitting with our boy Dash. Well, no, she does get some news. Or, well, no, Agnes gets some news <clears> from Aurora that... Oh, that uh, Dash is interested. Yes, and that maybe we should lean into this. And, and you know, isn't Agnes who says out loud, does he have money? And Ada says he, he's a Stuyvesant. He, he, they got money. Stuyvesant. Stuyvesant. Yeah. And Agnes is like, I don't know. Why would I know that? All I need to know is he has, he has money. Great. He's good for me. Yeah. It's good enough. Uh, and so, yeah, we see we see there you have like a luncheon uh, and Dash was talking up uh, Agnes or um, Marion as a teacher. Marion mm-hmm. She's very, very much there for the kids and stuff. She, she's, she's good. So, yeah, that's continuing on its way. Yeah, and, and then we're at the the opera. Wait, n- wait not the double. Be- oh yeah, we're at the opera. Yeah, and then our boy is like, "Hey, I'm not going to the after party. I don't really want to meet Oscar Wilde. I've had a long mm-hmm. day. My daughter's yeah. upset." And right. Marion's like, "Oh, please tell me why." He's like, "Oh, because she doesn't have a she doesn't have a mother to go to the the tea party with." Mm-hmm. And Marion's like, "Well, what if I did that?" Mary, do you understand what you're doing here? You're literally like, if you really want to be with this man, or if you want to be with this man, you better realize you are taking those steps to be with this man. And if you don't want to be with this man, stop. I think yourself. she wants to be with the man. I think she wants okay. to be with him. I think she likes him. All right. I mean, he's a nice he guy. He saved her but... last week. He's nice, and and they do comment the age gap here. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you just wonder what is the flaw here? What what is off? We'll find out. I re- I really don't know what the what they're gonna do to split these two up because he does seem Dash seems like a nice guy. Yeah, a little too nice. Who knows? A little too. Yeah, maybe th- there's something's gonna happen. We need and, to and, we need to write the course to get Larry Russell and Marion mm-hmm. right headed at each other. Right. He, doesn't he mention something too, like about the mother being in the picture too, or something? Because she has to I show up as a PTA. PTA. She's dead, <laughs> right? Is she dead? I thought he mentioned the something Francis, about the mom. Francis's mother? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He's a widow. What am I talking about? I'm a dumb yeah. man. Uh, 
Not to double back though, because we didn't mention this about Oscar though, because he does have that conversation about John with John Adams about like, have I met the guy you're with? And he's like, nah. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's how it is. And then I, you know, we talked about it last week too with Oscar though, and we were like, who's going to be the one to learn uh, his secret? Did not guess Aurora. It's kind of the safe option. <laughs> yeah, they're giving her a little bit more to work with this season. Yeah. Yeah, because they really are respecting her as one of the family there. But mm-hmm. uh, missed opportunity there for uh, someone else to be the one to learn his secret. Yeah. Well, who knows? Who's to say? I hope T. Thomas Fortune finds it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope Booker T. Washington finds out. <laughs> Just keep it real random. Okay. All right. Enough so do that. We, I feel like we got two the two big ones hanging left, right? Are mm-hmm. we missing anything else? No. We got Henderson in the Union, and we've got the Reverend Forte. Let's do Forte. Forte. So he's over at this luncheon that they're Uh throwing for him, and we see that Agnes does not. Agnes is bored of him. She doesn't see the function, and she also does not have a mind generous enough to give Ada the the. You know, she can't wing Ada. Mm -hmm. She can't be Ada's wing woman. So he comes over, we're sitting, and they say, what is this soup? What is this? Yeah, they're, they're mystified by this thing being served to them. And they're like, Wait, what is this thing we have to drink here? Which is, And they keep saying drink, which is you funny. Drink your you, soup. you know, Julian is just delighting in the fact that he's educating us that they said back then you would drink your soup. Yeah, don't start a, don't start a debate on, on Twitter now, Julian, about what, do you, what you do with soup. Mm-hmm. And we see our girl Ada. She planned the whole thing to surprise yeah. our man, Reverend Forte, because he has yet to have a good cup of New England clam chowder in New York. And everyone in the room seems to give a ish less. Yeah. We don't even really get the reactions of how it tastes to them. They just eat it. Uh, yeah, well, we get drink the, it, rather. The the next scene where we see the Reverend again, he does compliment it, but in the yeah. moment, he doesn't. And we see right. there's the, the scene where uh, they're talking about how Marion is a watercolor teacher, and the Reverend goes and says that, you know, oil paints are so gaudy and ugly looking, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of elegance to watercolor. And Ada's like, I'm a watercolor fan, and Agnes is like, since when? Who do you? You're not a watercolor fan, and, and Ada's like. You're trying to catch me, but I know yeah. what I'm talking about, Agnes. So why don't you sit down, sister? Adolf Menzel. Great, How does that feel? <laughs> great watercolorist. Uh, yeah, and Agnes kind of shuts up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Again, so, I think maybe maybe I'm down on Agnes because this scene follows the like meeting about the opera. Like we are, we get Agnes being kind of forced to send these letters. And then we see her just actively trying to, to block Ada from, from looking good in front of the Reverend. Yep. Like she just seems in her own little world for sure. And so later on in the episode, mm -hmm. our girl Ada goes to, donate some clothes to the church and she sees the, the good old reverend forte yeah my man from house and he's like oh hey that guy is uh has a gallery if you want to go mm-hmm. and we see she's a kitty she's on cloud nine yeah and she, and she even tells marion i need an excuse help me and marion has a bright idea of like well you don't have to go alone you can go with me ada is just Shocked, she's like, "Oh my god, that's a genius How'd you idea!" Think of that? <laughs> I, hi, wow. And so, yeah, she uh, she goes to the gallery, and, and the thing is, it's just obvious to everyone they they are doing the dalliance here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're just talking about art, and that's yeah. how the episode wraps. Very beautiful. I thought it was such a nice ending because we we said it before. Aided has gotten such the 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 short end of the stick for this whole show. Yeah. And obviously it's not going to be a smooth thing for her to start dating this pastor preacher, but it's something. There's something, there's something up with this guy though. He's too clean, too nice. He's a priest. 
Yeah, well, I don't think that's I don't think he's. I will go as far as to say that probably not a great idea to make a narrative function of a priest to turn out to be a scumbag because the Catholic Church has suffered enough over the past. I mean, twenty he, years. That's not. That's not nothing new for Julian. Have you watched Belgravio, Dave? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he's not above it. Uh, but no, I, I think this is. I think this is going to be an Agnes thing. I, f- I feel like. What what can we do big picture with Ada in the whole show if this show lasts another two or three seasons? Mm-hmm. I feel like she, we don't need her juggling men. Partner sure. her up with someone nice. But Forte was already saying people didn't like how they received communion from him. Hey man, I'm just saying anything could happen. Well, no, well, that's not what he he said. He said that the rich people don't like the fact that he gave the poor people communion. Right, right. So he's he's a righteous man. So no, that means the rich people could be like, we don't like this reverend. Get him out of town. <laughs> I, I do think what might happen is what happens in in churches in general is they'll the, if Julian wants him out, the Catholic Church will just ship him somewhere else because that's what happens in the church. Yeah, but so I hope could not be because thing. I like I like our guy. You know, my man Forte, well, good good performer. Yeah, good to yeah. have a heavy Boston accent to combat Jack Trotta. Jack Trotter, is that Jersey accent? I think it's just a bad New York accent. Just a bad New York. Okay. Okay. But So I think we're just left with the Henderson of it all. The Union. Yeah, the, Harry and the Hendersons here. Uh, the way they... Yeah, because we knew from last week they were going to wine and dine him at the Brunswick to really impress him, to win, buy him out from you know standing with his uh, uh, striking... Union Brothers. Uh, Union Brothers they really don't do any favors to this guy when he shows up on the scene there they have this high angle shot of him getting out of the carriage and yeah he's he looks awestruck at this house that he's walking up towards but it just kind of looks like this slack jawed dumb man like whoa (laughs) but they do a good job of spinning it I thought oh yeah oh yeah no I like Anderson he's great uh because immediately you see he's suspicious of all this. Like, why are they being so nice to him and everything and, and mm-hmm. treating him so well? And, yeah, George gets Bertha to, to show up and greet him. That's she nice. She puts on fine. Yeah. They have some lunch. Bertha leaves it to the two of them. And George, as he does it with everyone else, is straight to the chase. Like. Let's talk. What do we got to do? Yeah. I ain't got time or patience for your union. I got money. But the thing is, we do learn about Henderson, which is that he has a wife, six children. His wife works as a seamstress. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like, he is a man who realistically should be susceptible to some kind of, you know, favors. Yeah. But the thing is, as he tells George, these people work six hours a day. uh, No, six hours hours a day. Sorry, that's a great timeline. Twelve hours a day, six days a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which... Is it all they have the energy to do is put some food in their mouth and go to sleep. Yeah. And that's 72 hours, just in case you're counting out there. Mm-hmm. Average work week in the country is 40 hours. Um, and the thing is, these people are not being compensated even then for all those hours or putting their lives at risk. And George is making the case saying, I pay the market rate. I'll, I'll change it if the market changes, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh yeah, he said it'll affect the whole industry if he changes how much he's paying. Yeah. And during this moment here, I was thinking, you know, like, George is reasonable. I thought he was kind of like, you know, hmm, you know, willing to play ball with this guy in the past couple of weeks. That's just me being naive. No, we're mask off. George is a bad man here. He's not willing to compromise or hear out these unions at all. He, he, he calls wants... himself a robber baron. Yeah. And Henderson's like... You said it, bro. <laughs> Not me. Yeah. And then he tries to play the sympathy. He says, dude, how about I give you a management position? Mm-hmm. You got six kids. You want to be home. You get paid more. Your wife can quit her job. That's it. That's all. Yeah. And he's like, bro, you can't do that to me. I'm union. <laughs> I yeah. don't want to be on strike, but I will. Mm-hmm. And so he he's, gets shown the door and... The help catches wind of like, oh, man, do you think it was resolved? And they're like, I don't know. sounds like this union thing may be going somewhere. And we'll get the nice moment of uh, 
saying someone was saying to church, what if uh, us downstairs were to unionize and church was like, I would croak. I'd rather die. He's like, yeah. God forbid we have like a set insurance policy. <laughs> yeah. God forbid our employer cares about us. Um, and so then we, we see Henderson later in the episode with all his union people in like a speakeasy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yep. it's not working out. I think we need to be ready to strike. And then he tells, he said, we got to be ready to die. Yeah. We're not going to fold. Not one of us. If we are together, we are, we will not fold. Apes so strong he's gonna together. Target, he's going to target the American-born people first. He's going to try to mm-hmm. screw the immigrants. We can't. Yeah. We, need to be a yeah. un, we need to be a union united. Mm-hmm. And you really just hope this isn't going to turn around to bite Henderson in the butt because he really did get a good deal, <laughs> a good offer. But you're like, man, yeah, I should him. have taken that. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that would have been nice. Six for him. kids, I would have taken. I would have taken the deal. I would have sold out. Education and all that, yeah, yeah. But I, they're fighting the good fight. I hope it works out for them. We'll see. Yeah. I really, I mean, it it will be very interesting to see where they take it. Yeah. And I think that I, really wraps up the episode. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple loose ends where. Bertha says to George that a duke is coming to town and that they must entertain That's the duke him. That, the duke that was um, our girl Winterton, Turner, hung mm-hmm. out with in England. Yep. So Bertha wants to intercept him before he can go hang out with her in Newport. Yeah. And, and George and, is like, what are you talking about? I'm going to put my reputation on the line for that? And she says, you don't have much of a choice right now, mister. Put your Put your pants on. Yeah, you, he, you, you're said, in the doghouse. I kept my pants on. Winterton yeah. took her all of her clothes off. She was nude. <laughs> Not me. Uh, her. She was the nude one. Yep. And on the Monsieur Bourdain uh, front, we do get one reference this episode when they're talking about Miss uh, Turner becoming Miss Winterton downstairs. Well, anyone can become anything in this country. I should know best. <laughs> The weekly reminder that he was once a Frenchman for an entire season on this show. Thank, thanks. For years of his life. <laughs> yes. So so silly. Like they're, they're just not going to advance the character beyond that. They just really had that one trick. Julian and they remind one, us about it every we week. We see Julian loves picking up and putting down toys. He did yeah. it with the Bateses in Down Abbey. He picked up Baldwin last year. He says, oh, I got an idea for you. Mm-hmm. Played out the idea, and now he's got no ideas for him, so he's just sitting in the background. I, I did like enjoy Bates and Anna. Yeah, I I did enjoy the food though they were making at the beginning of this episode. Keep them cooking; it looks good. Yeah, all the sweets. Yeah, but this is a this is a solid episode. Keeping things moving. Yeah, all in things place. Things were moving, but things you know we Oscar Wilde was a little bit too much, but that's fine. Yeah, get him out of there. <laughs> that's fine. Okay, power rankings. Let's Dave, get who's to going these power down? Rank. At number three, I got our boy Ward McAllister. Okay, he's been playing both sides for so long that. He's got to, you know, as the episode says, you got to pick a side, head to head. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's, his little reputation as being the juggler is about to blow up in his face. Yeah. No, you know what? You you talked me into it. He's he's my number three. Yeah. Oh. Because I I, I, I I didn't have him there, but I think I just wasn't thinking enough about him. So, yeah, McAllister's in a real when pickle. you see the shot of him when Bertha's like, you're going to have to pick. He looks like, oh, no. He's been flying yeah. too close to the sun for years as as um, Astor's lapdog and Bertha's like new favorite friend. Mm-hmm. Now he he has to answer for his his lack of commitment. I hope this turns into like some like Miss Doubtfire situation where he has to like change clothes and stuff and be in the same place at the same yeah, night. Leave at intermission. <laughs> yeah, he leaves there mission, then shows up in different clothes somewhere else he with a wig Watson on. He has Boston dress up like him so he can go to both. Oh, maybe. That'd be great. He can be at both places. <laughs> yeah. Well, who's, who's number, number two, two going for down? you? Oh, okay. I'll take it. Bertha's at number two. Okay. She's being... Winterton slaps her down and says, mm-hmm. like, you can't, you can't just talk me into doing whatever you want. Yeah. I'm me. Who do you think you are? And yeah, also, she she has such a considering, she's so calm, cool, and collected. She basically breaks down when she finds out that this whole thing happened with with George. our girl, you know, with George and Winterton Turner. So yeah, 
Not a great look. Well, number two going down, I got McNeil Collier. This guy, we find out his whole tragic story. And then the fact that he's being put out from his daughter for life, like mm-hmm. not even letting them hear him out that he wants to be in her life. It's tough okay. times for that guy. Okay, I can see it. He's hurt. I think I need to feel like he likes his daughter more because he just kind of stalked her. Like I need to feel like there's more there before I sure. commit to Watson being placed there. Mm-hmm. But at number one, it's got. I think I got George. I got the Russells, both of them together. Both of them? They're, okay. They're bringing He's each other down. He's in the doghouse. He's in the doghouse. And he does not, he he thinks money can fix everything. He thinks he's Ted DiBiase. Everybody's got he a He does price. say that. He even every says that in the episode. The literal line. Do you think Julian and watches WWE? No. I don't think Julian's <laughs> as elevated as Werner Herzog is, who loves WrestleMania. He okay. should be, though. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just a bad look, you know. He thinks that you know the million dollar man always gets his way, and the Henderson's like, no, I'm the everyman. Yep. I'm coming to your door, and I'm gonna knock it down. Yeah. So, t- tough beat for that couple. Mm-hmm. Well, who do you have going up then, Corey? Well, going up, I got Miss Winterton at number three, or Miss Turner. Yep. Same here. She's uh she's making her way, and she's letting. Bertha, no, you can't push me around anymore. She was on the other foot. I got money. Yeah. And her whole storyline of working her way into some money by writing letters and stuff, that's that's great. She's smart. That's fine, yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Who's number two? I got Henderson. Oh, yeah, same here. Locked up. He won't back down. This guy is, uh, you know, he's just got a backbone, which George doesn't come up against much. Yeah, so, George is dealing with pushovers that'll make their wives go to balls. Exactly. Henderson's so, like, no, I will die so that my coworkers can have a 40-hour work week. Yes. B- big fan of what Henderson is doing here. Uh, All right, let's yeah. see if we, we complete the, the up, upper rankings this week. Who do you got at number one? I got Ada Brooke. Woo, same here. She's got a man, potentially. And she's doing it the right way. Yep. She tries. She does a generous thing for him. She goes to see him. She gets asked on a date. She goes on a date. Mm-hmm. And they're just being friendly with each other. She even does the whole thing with the clam chowder, which is nice, above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she knows a little bit about watercoloring, too, on her own accord. So. Yeah, she gets to be an independent woman. Yeah. So happy to see her. I like I really like Cynthia Nixon, so I'm glad to see her getting more work this season. So. Yeah. Anyways, that's this week on the Gillage, and we'll be back next week talking episode four. Dave, you been watching anything else? Well, I, I you said it last week. I took your advice. I put on the English dub. I'm three episodes into Love is Blind Japan. Oh, boy. What are you thinking so far? There's so many characters. There yeah. are so many people, and they some of them are like 38, but they look like they're 20. Yeah. You know, there's, it's a lot to. The one thing about the American one is it really it's similar. There's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, attractive people. Once we get moving beyond the proposals, then things start getting interesting. But you say there's eight couples here. I'm really nervous. Oh yeah, no, they keep juggling for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, man, moisturizer and lack of sun is really great for the skin. I can test to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's more love is blind. It's fun. The dub yeah. is a little off-putting and unsettling, sure. but I'm getting used to it. Yeah. Just roll with it. What are you watching, Corey? A lot of football. <laughs> okay. Uh, just a lot of football. I have not had time to watch uh, much. The, the sky? Yeah. Traveling. The pre- the prepping for this. Uh, speech I have to give tomorrow so you know just been really stressed and trying to get through work and stuff so just trying to survive you know right now <laughs> yeah well but, you've had a long day we don't need to keep on talking we can wrap it up yeah if you want and Dave we'll be hanging out this weekend in North Carolina oh yeah if any of our fans in uh, Waynesville or Asheville want to come say hi X us <laughs> or Instagram out there. us we'll, we'll meet you for barbecue yep Going to a wedding and yeah, maybe we can record something. We'll see. 
Yeah, I'll bring the recorder. Why not? Yeah, we'll figure it out. But listeners, you know where to find us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, X, uh, lordsgrantham at gmail.com. Find us on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating review if you so choose. You can always subscribe to our Patreon where you can join our Lords of Grantham Lounge and we'll get bonus content to you. Uh, we, we, we may have a movie that we need to watch in December that we need to talk about on our Patreon. Yep, yep. We'll save that for later. The fans uh, are, are demanding it. Yes. And until then, we'll see you next time on the Lords of Grantham podcast. Yeah.